You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hey guys, I'm so glad you could join us for this Life with a series. And in today's case, it's Life with a Nine series because we are just grateful to be able to slowly drip out these episodes interspersed with our episodes by topic regarding the different Enneagram types. And we know that people are more than types and we're sharing other things too today with our special guest, Emily Wingfield, an Enneagram expert. And yes, so cool of a handle, but she is awesome. And we're gonna hear about not only her nineness today as we get really nitty gritty with that, but also we're gonna welcome you to learn about the nine and other things that she has to teach us, such as she's in a three, nine marriage. And Emily has some amazing online and in-person workshops that are just fantastic for group Enneagram work. And of course, being a nine, she's really good at helping everyone to see all the perspectives. So we're in for such a treat today. And I'm so excited to get refreshed and just to bring in peace this week with you as we come back together for more learning. So before we get to her, I just want to remind you guys that this is the Thursday, if you're listening live, that our Enneagram and Marriage Coaches Certification course is beginning. And you can also take it on demand. We have it for a really good price right now. And we are also extra thankful that we are building our team up so that others can learn the Enneagram and marriage from the inside out. I wish I could talk to you guys about everything all the time here, but I really want to honor those people who are not wanting to become coaches and learn the tiniest nitty gritty nth degree of Enneagram speak from the coaching side as well. So this is my special space to work with those who love teaching and coaching and pouring out into other couples. And then this space right here with you guys is our great space together to do relationship work. So just distinguishing that a bit, diving deeper over there with coaches, please make sure that you join us if you want to be a part of that for yourselves, for your marriage, or if you want to even coach other couples or individuals on relationships. It's all over there enneagramandmarriage.com. Now let's talk to Emily all about the type nine. I know our nines bring us peace and we need to truly lean in and let them be heard so that we can discover more together. Okay. Emily, I am so happy to have you on the Enneagram and Marriage pod today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm so excited about this. Ah, well, we are just privileged to get to talk nine with you and life and marriage. And you're going to share with us about what you do so people can get to know you better. Can you tell us today a little bit about your life and introduce yourself a bit? Definitely. Yes. So I am Emily Wingfield. Also, my company name is Enneagram with Emily. Um, I have to laugh that I feel like my parents, it, it was lucky that they happened to name me an E, a name starting with E. Oh, oh uh, <laughs> who knew that 40 some odd years later, I would be, it, it works out well for Enneagram with <laughs> It did. Uh, Such a cool name. 
Uh-huh. But um, I'm born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. And that, yes, then I teach here. Uh, now also teach virtually over Zoom anywhere. Awesome. I have a wonderful husband, Kyle, who we both met at the University of Georgia, where we went, go dogs. And uh, we have two sweet boys, Charlie, who is 14, and Owen, who is 11. Mm-hmm. And then a two-year-old dog named Cookie, who is an English Springer Spaniel, who oh, just my has my heart. She's the sweetest. <laughs> she is very spoiled. Oh, my goodness. Well, how cute and a fun family with your boys and hubby and cookie. And (laughs) you and her rule the roost as the queens of the home. (laughs) And then you have your kings. But tell me about you have presented the Enneagram to over 100 groups. Tell us about your work and a little more about what you do. Yes, yes. So um, I've been into the Enneagram for about six years. But prior to that, I was I've always loved personality. Mm. personalities in general and personality tools and just Mm. always been an observer of people and things. Um, And so before I was into Myers-Briggs, DISC, uh, Strengths Finders, Love Languages, all of the things. And then I found out about the Enneagram and I fell in love. It was just life-changing for me. So about uh, five years ago, almost five and a half now, I happened to start my business. And I started by teaching in um, churches, groups of women, Bible studies and women's homes, neighborhood groups. And then it just kept growing from there. And so um, I've recently taught at the University of Georgia um, business school there and lots of different places. But I say that to say that the Enneagram can go to so many different groups. It can be in people's homes. It can be in a church setting. It could be in a business setting. It could be in a nonprofit Wow. It can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It does have to be tweaked for the <laughs> audience, mm-hmm. um, but it's just so powerful. And the most common things I have heard after teaching so many different people is the two two things. I just wish I had known this earlier in life. That is a very common thing. And I'm just not so frustrated anymore. Like people just don't bug me as much once people learn their Enneagram type and understand that, okay, I might not understand how that person's see, thinking or seeing things, but I do understand that there are eight other ways. So it must just not be my way yeah. of seeing it. Oh, wow. That's cool that you can just kind of name it after that many speaking engagements of what are the patterns and systems that you're uh, uncovering. And you've named a few. You said, I don't need all these assessments anymore, which is my experience as well. And then you said that people are less agitated and they had wished they'd found it sooner. So I'm so glad you did. I'm so glad our listeners are leaning into their Enneagram work, whatever their journey is. And as we get into talking more about the nine today, let's lead in with some stories about you and Kyle's early days. Tell us about how you two met each other. Oh, well, I had fun thinking about these and laughing of, oh yeah, we were a nine and a three from the very beginning. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so my husband, I'm a self-pressed nine and he is a self-pressed three. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met in college and we met um, towards the end of our junior year, getting of our senior year at University of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And the funny part is we were both part of a group that um, basically it was so when the faculty or president or someone needed basically students that were going to look the part, be be well-spoken, be polite, all those kinds of things. It was called the Arch Society. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have to laugh. So my husband and I were part of this group and he was the president and I was the social events coordinator, which (laughs) is just was foreshadowing to our marriage that we didn't even realize. And um, (laughs) 
<laughs> so uh, he he did that. And uh, also funny enough, uh, this is a different kind of story, but how we originally met was he wrote an article for the student newspaper about, it was a comedy piece about um, how to get for the MRS, people looking for the MRS degree. And mm-hmm. if you're familiar with that, yes. going to school to get married. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he jokingly talked about different classes that they would need to take of different things. And it was a great article and it was really funny. And many of my friends had teased me that I was at school for that degree, which I was not. It was just, <laughs> yeah. It was but that, but uh, so my husband and I met through, he had wrote that article and I thought it was so funny. And then we were out at a party and uh, some friends introduced us because I had mentioned the article and they said, oh, well, the guy that wrote it is right over there. So all this to say, it is just kind of funny that um, how our types showed up even in college. And so I, you know, I was attracted to a great guy who was just so put together and everything. And I was very happy to follow along with the path he was forging, um, which was great. We've had a wonderful life together. Oh, that's really, I love your pride in saying, like, I know who I picked. I'm glad who I picked. I could see our types all along. There's certain giftings within our types. And this is the way mine went. And I don't know if a lot of our listeners know, some of them do, but nines and threes are both very witty and they have a certain humor that can be a bit, you know, wry. And so when you can say, like, I could laugh at that and not take it as, uh, you know, ultra, hurtful, but no, he's teasing. And we're just literally throwing out wit and cutting each other like in fun ways. This is the nine and the three at their heart. They can be competitive and fun together and tease and spur each other on in Christ. And I love that you you're unapologetic about that. That's a lot of fun. And I love that you guys, that you literally found the guy who wrote the article. This is reading to me sort of like a Reese Witherspoon movie. Like, (laughs) you know, she can't believe there's the guy who wrote the article. Well, uh, yes, it it is funny. And luckily I had loved the article because I thought it was so funny. So yes, you know, something came to mind as you just were talking about that. I remember hearing on a podcast years ago, a guy, a man that's uh, a nine that was a male nine that was married to a female one. And he's, and someone said, oh, it's so wonderful when the nine wakes up to life. And he said, well, it's, it is great for many marriages, but it's not great for a marriage where the wife as let's say an unhealthy one is used to having her way. And then the nine wakes up and kind of starts pushing back. And he then said, yeah, we, we got divorced once I woke up. Mm. That has always stuck with me probably as a nine that is waking up. And something I'm so thankful for, for my husband is that, you know, we had our roles from the time we started dating early marriage, even into having young kids. And then when I started to wake up to myself, he went with it and he goes, yeah, this is great. You know, yes, we have been following my path for the early part of our marriage, but great. Emily, now you start your own business and stuff. And so I'm so thankful that he was so supportive as I was waking up and to myself and growing and changing and um, that we could uh, adjust to, to kind of slightly different roles than we had had for the first 10 plus years of our marriage. Mm, You bring up a great point that people often have just different iterations of themselves along the course of the marriage. If you're married long enough, you keep growing and changing. And I love that he was celebratory of you having domestic desires. But then when you woke up and wanted your own career, he was like, 
yeah, you had a nurturing gene going. I know I had that really strong at the end of my undergraduate and, and there's just so many seasons of a person's life and of a woman's life. So I love that he was able to grow with you. Um, and we're going to get into more details about nine, but first, before we do that, I was so curious when you shared how he went through a season where if you're familiar listeners with the wings and the arrows, you know, that threes can look a lot like nines. Uh, and I thought that was fascinating when you said you got to experience yourself when you saw him and his nine, can you tell us about that season? Oh, yes. It was uh, definitely a pivotal moment for both of us. And uh, well, because first of all, it happened during COVID. So it, it was a pivotal moment for everyone in the world. Yeah. But what happened is we, had, our kids are school age. So we had to start doing home virtual schooling. And, um, you know, the first few months, I definitely spiraled downward. And I didn't actually realize because I never said it, but in my mind, I was thinking, you're the three, you need to hold it together. You need to keep it up. Like I get to melt <laughs> and you're a three overperform, overfunction, keep it going. Yeah. And he did do that for a while. And then like all of us, you just couldn't sustain it because it was, um, COVID was just so long and hard. Yeah. And then as a three, very stressed, he very much went towards nine uh, and an unhealthier part side of nine, because it was such a stressful situation. And that is the first time I've ever experienced it, especially so close, you know, 24 seven for months at a time. Wow. And I really felt, I could feel the energetic withdrawal. I mean, he was, he was there, his body was there, but his mind was not there. His heart wasn't there. Meaning he was just kind of sleepwalking through life because he was really just trying to survive as well, try to keep yeah. his company going and obviously mm -hmm. lots of other pressures, but, um, it was absolutely fascinating because I think as a nine, when we withdraw, we don't think people notice. We mm -hmm. think, Oh, well, I'm just being a little quieter. I'm, I'm still sitting at the dinner table. Uh, you know, I'm still sitting on the sofa while we watch TV and I never realized like, Oh, people feel it. Like, yeah, you're sitting there, but you're not talking. You're not following the conversation. You're not adding anything to it. It was very eye-opening for me to experience that from the other side. Wow. And you had to do some work to get him lifted up, I bet. Well, yes. Well, and it's hard too, because as it, I know as nines, you can't get to him. You know, we turtle out. And so I would be trying to get to him. And I definitely think- I'm not laughing show, at you. I'm laughing no, with you. Oh gosh. Oh my gosh. It's the truth. We, I know it. Um, the other challenge was I knew what he was feeling too. So yeah. it's like, I was so oh. frustrated, wow. but I knew exactly what he was feeling. And so I would suggest an activity and, you know, he'd say, oh, I'm too tired for that. Uh, that's going to take too much work. That's going to take too much effort. <laughs> yeah. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. Um, so uh, <laughs> yes, thankfully. And let me add in, I was in my yeah. sixth space. So it was, oh. we were all over our little inner triangle during COVID. <laughs> but, um and thankfully we survived, but uh, yes, it, I definitely oh. learned some things about myself and it encouraged me to try to start naming it more so that when I withdraw to actually say, Hey, I've had a long day. I'd really like to just go upstairs and read by myself versus just yeah. disappearing like I yeah. used to do. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. And thank you for sharing that truth and just letting us peek behind that curtain. And, and also I like how you're letting listeners know there's no perfect solution when people are walking through hard seasons like COVID, we do the best we can. And, and I could see it and I knew it was there, but there was no cookie cutter formula. It was about faithfulness and it was about uh, just realizing, okay, he's done this for me before. This is what it must feel like for me. And what's some of that insight I'm sure did come some change and encouragement to like little nuanced tips. But I also like how you said some of it was just waiting it out. Mm-hmm. One of the best things I heard, I like to go to Al-Anon for, I always encourage people if I, if I can, if any listeners are out there that have someone that struggles uh, with a, an addiction, uh, Al-Anon is a wonderful, wonderful resource. And I, I like to joke that it's the cheapest therapy you can find because they usually mm-hmm. only kind of all, or they, ask for a $2 donation at each meeting. But anyways, I I say that because it's just been incredibly helpful for me. And one of the stories I heard there was a woman shared that she was, had been going through an awful divorce. It was so long and hard and drawn out. And she went to um, an Irish Catholic priest and she said she was lamenting how hard it was. And she said, father, how am I ever going to get through this? And with his thick Irish accent, he said, ever so slowly, my child, ever so slowly. And this, she shared this after all of it had gone been happened. And she said, and he was right. It was long. It was hard, but ever so slowly I got through it and I'm came out the other side. So that is actually a phrase I say to myself a lot. My husband and I say it to each other when, you know, we're in the thick of it with kids, but ever so slowly things change. I mean, time takes time to just, things will get better. It can just be long and slow and hard, but you just have to hold on. Yes. Oh, I'm so encouraged by that. And I think that we celebrate marriage because we hold on and and there's other places to celebrate within marriage, but, uh, you know, sometimes you can't and I get that, but when you can, there's a beauty in that. And I love that, um, you made it through and a lot of marriages didn't make it through COVID for one reason or another, but you were able to make it through. And we want to know about nines in marriage now and what it's like to be married to a nine. So if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to ask you some questions about a few of the the spaces that nines live in. Is that okay? Yeah, definitely. Oh, thank you. Okay. So we want to ask you, what tips do you have, if any, for nines in marriages? You've already given a lot. So uh, is there anything you want to add for couples who have a nine in their marriage? Definitely. I thought about some of these. Definitely that nines are going to take some time to process. And so um, just give them, plant the seed, come back in three days, check in, come back in three days and check in. They just need a little bit of time to process. Also, don't give them too many options. I really think it's great. Give them three options and say, which of these do you like? Hmm. And then when they tell you their opinion, you need to listen to it. Because that's the thing. If they, if a spouse gives you three options, you say, okay, a a, a nine digs deep to find that opinion that's so hard to find. And then a nine says, okay, I like option A. And then the spouse says, well, I really wanted B instead. Mm. A nine will merge to B. And then maybe just subconsciously, but they'll think, you know what, next time I'm just going to say, I don't care. Because obviously they don't care. I mean, that's what we'll tell ourselves. So when we say our opinion, please go with it because it takes a lot of energy to get to that opinion. Mm. Wow. That is 
awesome. Well, and actually, I along those lines, as I'm thinking of with the opinion is um, also don't have a quick comeback. That's, oh my goodness. When, when you ask a nine their opinion and they really dig deep to get it and they're, and it takes so much effort. So I, I use the analogy. It's like you dig deep and then you finally come back up to, to the surface with your opinion. And then if somebody has this quick rebuttal, yeah. what a nine is thinking is, well, you know what? I'm just going to say, I don't care next time because that took me so much energy. And if you're going to just come right back at me and then I've got to go use that energy again to come up with another opinion. Wow. It's just easier for me to zone out and say, I don't care. Say whatever, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's like when we come back with an opinion, give it some time and space to just be there for a little bit yeah. before pushing back against it. Ah, oh, that is so helpful and such an invitation to the rest of this episode. What a great start. I think that's it. Like that was amazing right there. So Emily, when we hear that nines have a past orientation, what does that often look like for you as a nine? Yes. It's, I, I love it because once I learned about orientation at a time, I notice it all the time. Mm. Um, so I definitely look to the past for reassurance for the present and future. So uh, for instance, I have a, a proposal presentation coming up. And so I looked to the past and I thought, okay, Emily, you've done it well in the past. What have you learned from your mistakes in the past and where did it go well? And, um, and funny enough, I was telling my husband about this proposal I was going to do. And I told him, I said, honey, I'm going to tell you about this, but I might not get it. So please don't already jump to the future and already think about what we could do with that money and how it could grow from there and all the opportunities, the, all the doors it could open. I said, because my brain can't get to there yet. So, um, so it was just interesting that already in this one situation, I'm looking to the past for reassurance. And he said, because I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But, and I believe that he wasn't this time, but I've learned here. I'm doing it right now. I've learned from the past that when I tell him about something, he jumps to the future and that rubs me the wrong way because I don't jump to the future. And it's, yeah. So that was, that's, that's one way our orientation to time has come up even in our marriage. Oh, that's fascinating. And I love how you're reminding us three's our future focus, right? Uh (laughs) Ah, so it looks like ruminating on taking care of things. I hear your six going to like you're learning from past mistakes. Do you think you remember a lot about how people may have forgotten you as a nine? Because I often think of nines as having this inner whisper who says, you know, you should have done this or more likely they forgot you. And so I wondered if that's something that triggers you occasionally is these lingering thoughts about what people grew up with incredible parents that like, so instilled such self-confidence in me that I never feel that. Um, Oh, I I do think, and this is a burden of being a nine is it is hard for me to get mad. Not actually, I've gotten in touch with my anger now as I've gotten healthier, where I struggle with getting mad or feeling frustrated, I think somebody forgot me, is because I see their side to it. So, you know, even if I think, oh gosh, that person forgot me, but you know what, Emily, she was busy with young kids as well. And you know what, she didn't have, it wasn't her fault, and not that her fault, but she probably was um, 
going on any barely any sleep as well when you so so I never that's actually something uh, a therapist has worked with me on she said you can own it and I'm like you can understand where they were coming from that is we know you're good at that but just sit with the emotions you're feeling it's not mean to just experience your emotions Mm -hmm. we know you know what they were thinking or feeling it is still okay for you to experience or acknowledge that you felt hurt from that. Mm, Yeah. Wow. I'm glad you had such a powerful therapist who was able to help you to balance that out. And you know, it's so funny. I I know it. I'm sharing it with you. It's still so hard for me to do. I almost, I have to have somebody else hold me to it because otherwise my brain, the first thing it does is sees the other side, sees where they were coming from. And then I talk myself down from feeling hurt. Wow. Okay. So that's how it can look for you. And I bet you a lot of listeners are like, yes, that's what happens. So thank you for explaining that to me as a non nine, that is so helpful really, really helpful. And I think others who are married to nines and we can encourage you guys and say, okay, like you matter in your opinion matters and not just their opinion matters. Now, when this happens, is this when withdrawing can take place when you kind of just say like, I don't matter, their opinions are better. Or is it more that withdrawing happens when you're tired? Can you tell us more about withdrawing as a nine? Oh, yes. I am an expert (laughs) on that. When in doubt, withdrawal, I guess is a good way to say it. Of, but you're right. When I feel like I'm not being seen or something, because then, then I think, well, they if they didn't see me, it's not going to hurt anything to just withdraw because I wasn't noticed anyways or something. Mm. That's kind of one thing. But my withdrawing really happens when I have overgiven or or am, exa- am tired, worn out, stretched too thin. And something I've really been working on for myself, and I would encourage your listeners to do this as well, is starting to notice your red flags. Mm. And they're going to be personal per individual, but I now have a list of red flags. So one of them for me is normally I'm a very nice person and I just go along. It's all fine. When I start criticizing people in my mind or picking an internal fight, of course, I'm never actually going to (laughs) say the fight out loud. But when I start picking an internal fight in my mind, Mm. that's a red flag for me that I'm too tired um, and that I need Mm. to withdraw and recharge to go back out in the world. Wow. I like that. That's huge. So people who are noticing that judgmental part of the 891 body type, kind of judgy triad at times can say, I'm not prone to this unless I'm pretty exhausted and overdone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yes. Uh, yes. That's definitely it. Just the, just the exhaustion in general or, you know, feeling tired when my compassion is thin Mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, so I just withdrew this weekend because I was, had been maxed out. And on Thursday, before I went away to an Airbnb by myself to just sit and look at cows, Aww. my younger son was just in a needy mood. And I, when I heard myself say to him on Thursday morning, making him breakfast, I don't have any more compassion. I can't care right now. I said that to him. And that was like, wow, Emily, you that means you need to go fill your own cup for a while because I had no more compassion to give to anyone. Wow. 
Oh, interesting. Okay. That is so helpful for knights to hear that they have permission to go or to ask, how can we make this work for me to get that space to healthily withdraw? So I'll add in something else because um, this weekend was just a perfect real life example of it. I had known that I was getting towards, I don't really want to say burnout because it was not true burnout, but I was getting um, in the red zone, I would say for mm-hmm. my nineness mm-hmm. and I needed a break. I had known this for th- two to three weeks prior and mm-hmm. I kept feeling it. But then because I could see the other side, I would say, well, Emily, your husband's working hard too. He doesn't have, you know, yeah. why should you get a break if he doesn't get a break? He's worn out too and kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um So what I did for the two to three weeks prior is I would try to get little recharges. So I would say, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to do a 30 minute meditation. I'm going to try to go out to lunch with a friend. I'm going to go for an hour long walk by myself. And then by that Thursday, when I told my son, I had no more compassion. I realized (laughs) those were all just little band-aids and Mm -hmm. wow. What would my life have looked like if two weeks ago I said to my husband, you know what? I really need 24 hours by myself, Mm. but I never said it because I didn't, because I argued this, his side and it was, I don't, (laughs) a friend of mine said it perfectly. She goes, I don't want to have to ask. I, what I would like, this is not healthy and not going to happen. I'd like my husband to just say, oh, sweetie, you work so hard. Why don't you go take 24 hours off by yourself? (laughs) Which is not his job to do. He's not. That's not his to do. Doing his thing. Yeah. He yeah. He's in, he's doing his out. thing. Yeah. But mm-hmm. as a nine, I think that's also the interesting thing. And I'm sure a lot of twos out there would say it as well as so many other types, but it's so hard to ask for what we need. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's so, so healthy for you to let people know you're not alone, but it's important you do ask. Yes. So tell us about when you say that it sounds like the merging is happening with how considerate you are of others' feelings and just really considering your your boys, your your spouse, everybody. Do you feel like there's any more to the merging? Are you feeling each other's hearts? Like how are nines merging with people? I am very empathetic as well. So I think that adds a flavor. The reason I say that is because sometimes when people hear my story, especially women will say, my husband's a nine and he doesn't sound anything like you. So I always like to add in, I think mm-hmm. as, as with all types, there are so many flavors, there are so many shades, I should say yes. of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But the merging, it, I, I say that I feel like I am a jellyfish that has tentacles throughout the whole house. Mm-hmm. I can hear somebody's footsteps and kind of tell not exactly their mood, but if it's a stomping footstep, oh, they're a little mad or, you know, a door slam or whatever. Um, I sense that very often. Um, I'm just so hyper aware of other people's moods and, and it takes a lot of work for me to say there, that's okay that they're in a bad mood. That does not, that's not yours to do that. It will pass, but it takes a lot of self-talk for me to, Mm -hmm. um, let other people just have their moods. Oh, that makes so much sense that, that you're really looking at it, that when we think of this, almost like you said, jellyfish, this fun analogy of you can feel it all and you can experience it all, but it's going to hit you in a way, especially I think here as a mom and a woman, like 
you know, I have to nurture this. So does it just leave you sort of exhausted after all that sometimes? Yes. Which is what goes to the withdrawing um, Mm. because it leaves me exhausted. Um, And funny enough, when I am having to talk myself through, sometimes I have to remove myself from the room. And this is the, um, the uh, squeeze of being a, especially a mother is, oh, wow, I'm in the kitchen cooking dinner and my 14-year-old came in in an awful mood and picked at his brother and said something not nice. I I want to just let them be brothers, deal with it, figure it out. But I'm, and so I want to withdraw to just leave it be, but I'm in the kitchen cooking dinner and they need to do homework. And so it's, that is the challenge is you have to stay engaged in life when mm-hmm. I want to just be withdrawing. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I think that that's ha- really hard because you're like, it takes some faith. Um, and does it feel like a disruption of the peace and the harmony? Because I know that nines really don't want to disturb the peace, but I know it's important sometimes to shake it up. Oh, yes. I just want the peace all the time. It's uh, it's yes, it very much messes with the peace. I'll be honest, I, as I observe myself more and more over time, I'm agitated a lot of the time and I I don't look it, but in, because the only, the only time I am truly peaceful is when I am completely by myself. I'm talking not a person in the house. As much as I just mentioned, I love my dog. I don't even like my dog in the house. I, cause I notice everyone else's moods. I notice the dog's moods. You know, I like, it's, it's, as I, as I just heard myself say that, I realized yeah. how silly that sounds, but cookie has I, moods. I believe it cookie though. Cookie has moods. I know what her <laughs> moods are. Um, yeah. I, one time I had a client, a male client, but he was an Enneagram nine. And as we were getting off the call, he was working from home and this was during COVID, but he said, yeah, I got to go open the door and I'll already be able to tell the temperature of the house, meaning what his wife and his three kids oh, no. were going to be like. And, and I thought that captured it perfectly is we just feel the temperature of the house hmm. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fascinating that you have that going on in the agitation of just, I think it's overstimulation. Like I often note for the ones and eights, I think that the body types being five senses people, you get a lot of agitation because there's a lot happening already on a sensory level for you. And now you have this merging emotionally to a degree. So what do you feel like helps you when you say, all right, I have to, you said one thing that helps is healthy withdrawing, healthy speaking up. What does action look like for you when nines are called to action instead of sloth? Because I wanted to ask, is body work the way you try to come into action typically? I definitely try to get into my body, just also mainly for for presence types thing. Um, But I use my body more as um, red flags. So meaning, oh, wow, my I, I stretch my back all the time. I'm always stretching my back because I hold a lot of tension in my back. When I need to stretch my back a lot, I say, okay, wait, something's going on here because if all things are going well, I don't need to stretch my back at all. So mm-hmm. that's one answer is I notice things in my back. And then moving to action, it's um, a phrase that really helps me is what is mine to do? And, uh, and, or what is my role in this? Yeah. And I have to check myself. And sometimes I, so for instance, when my kids are fighting, but it's a, a parenting moment, like it's some, you know, some of it, let them figure it out on their own. Some of it, I need to step up yeah. and I'll say like, okay, this is, 
I've got to lean into this. Um, but, you know, I think overall it's becoming honest with yourself, honest with others. So, you know, if I have to have, for instance, if there's a problem with grades or something, I will say to my husband, Hey, I'm, I know I checked the grades, not doing so hot on this. I'm going to start with this conversation, but if it explodes, I'm going to need to tag out with you. That's where I'm so thankful that he and I are on the same page is he, he knows knowing your limits and then tagging out or getting reinforcements. I love that. That's so helpful to hear you say you can tag out, you can get reinforcements, you can notice your body's signals to yourself. Oh, and that's so helpful. A lot of nines really love their body work. They love to have workouts or yoga. Do you have practices like that that really help you? Yes. Um, I wish I was more disciplined with working out. That That's an area of growth for, well, this year and every year for the last 43 years. It's been on my list. I'm not great about working out. However, I love nature. And so I take my dog on a 45 minute walk every day. Mm. And what I really actually like to do is I do a lot of stretching, but mm. I can almost get into a trance or a zone with where it's almost just letting my body move wherever it needs to move. So there's no system or routine. It's just, you know, moving from stretching upward to a downward dog, to stretching my thigh, to whatever, but just, and really breathing into it. So it's not exactly a certain routine. It's just, I go with the flow of what my body wants to do. That's wonderful and inviting. And I think that that's, especially for me being an aggressive, assertive type, an invitation for me to learn how other types process. And most of the time I've done uh, surveys about how nines take on their workouts. Some of them are more active in cardio, but a lot of nines are like a walk is the perfect balance for me. Something soft, soothing, as you said, stretching and giving yourself grace over there. There are more important things to life than a good workout. And that that's really true. And yet I did think it was a great thing for our listeners to hear what are the things that wake Emily up because I know that's what they want. They want to be woken up to their lives. So yeah. interesting. I I will add in. I do think it is great for nines to get in kind of a hard workout. <laughs> so actually at some point I was into the Peloton and it felt amazing to really get a hard ride in and be like, wow, I feel strong and powerful. Uh, and then the Peloton broke. So, <laughs> so then that stopped that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but all this to say, I, I do think it would be more beneficial to me to to alternate walks, stretching, and something uh, to burn off some of that anger and agitation. Mm, that's so cool. And, and that way, our listeners really have an invitation to figure out what works for them. Mm-hmm. And that blesses us. So thank you. And we also lastly want to ask this important question after everybody's been so blessed by you, Emily, tell us what you offer and where people can find you. Yes. Yes. So the best place to find me is the website, enneagramwithemily.com. And um, I teach to businesses. I ha- I do two workshops of um, an Enneagram overview and then social styles or stances. But my passion is working one-on-one with people or with couples. Mm -hmm. I do it over Zoom. So that makes it very easy. I like to kind of teach a five-part Enneagram overview of all the different facets of the Enneagram. 
And then I also have become a life coach or personal development coach, which is wonderful to be able to use the Enneagram knowledge for transformation. That's such a big part of it is it's not just the information it's for transformation. That's a great way to say it. Not just info, but transformation. Thank you. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. So those are the best spaces they can get in touch with you then. Yes. Yes. I'm on Instagram as well, but I like to really do the one-on-one personal interaction. Um, Mm. So that that's where I love and I love connecting with people. And I really just help love helping people wake up to their life, whether they're a nine or any other type as well. Awesome. Thank you. And I can just already tell that you do good groups and do you do ever online groups too, or do you only do in-person groups? I love that as well. Awesome. That is so cool. Well, we're excited and we're so grateful for your time with us. And I just loved getting to know about the nine better in your marriage. (laughs) This has been a very unique and just we're so blessed kind of episode. So thank you so much, Emily. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. What a gift that somebody would generously pour out the depths of their soul to us here. Aren't we so blessed that we got to do that together today? And to remember, we're not alone. I am so happy about that. And I'm so thankful to Emily. Make sure you follow her and her links everywhere they go. I hope it takes you far because Emily is awesome. And I want you to get to connect with her if you feel led. And I also want to make sure that if you want our coaches certification, that you grab that at enneagramandmarriage.com. And we will talk to you guys soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as enneagramandmarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.